Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern business, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Philippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, if you have time, and I appreciate you're very busy, so probably just don't bother. But if you had time, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at said without BS. That's if you've got time. Now, with that being said, our guest this week is Sophie Epstone, founder and CEO of Trekstock, the only UK charity that specifically focuses on supporting young adults through cancer. Sophie became aware of a huge gap in tailored support services for cancer patients in their 20s or 30s after a family friend had treatment for lymphoma and found himself in a hospital surrounded by people much older than him whose needs were the opposite to his. There was no age-appropriate support available and Sophie wanted to do something about it and so Trek Stock was born. Excellent work. We're in good company indeed. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, um, Trek Stock, what's the name about, first of all? That's always the first uh, thing people yeah, say, I, isn't it? Yeah, I <laughs> it have is, to ask. It is. So, um, many years ago, I was assigned, well, Tom, a, a friend of mine and my brothers had cancer in his early 20s. And he was in a band with my brother. They were doing, you know, tours and gig gig practice and things. And they had this tour to China. And Tom got cancer just before... And I watched how the guys said, hang on a minute, Tom's not a band practice today and grandpa had cancer. Why has Tom got cancer? And he, there was no information that was really relevant to him. They didn't really know how to support him. They just felt like it was... The band didn't, you mean? The band didn't know. They just right. kind of thought, what's happened to our friend? We don't really get this. It's an older person's thing. There's mm. no information for him. Anyway, I signed up for a trek to Everest as you do, to raise money for um, young people with cancer. With How old were you at this point? I was 24-ish, 20, I think. And Tom's your friend, not your brother. No, my, your brother, brother's my in the band. brother's in the band. Right. So I signed up to this trek and I was talking to my brother one day and he said, oh, trek, and you're going to do a music gig to raise money. Trek stock, Woodstock. It's like when dad went to Woodstock in back in the day and why don't you call it trek stock? And so... I, it, for my fundraising for Everest, I had to raise about £3,000, I think, or £2,000. And I put together this acoustic gig at the, oh, it was a bar at Highbury Corner, which is now not there, but it was like... Oh, that's a classic one. The, um, the uh, Bull, Cock and something. The Cock and Bull, something like that. Yeah. yeah, and it was an acoustic gig. And this is now a very random story, but it was an acoustic gig. Book the venue. You you sit you sing and play as well. I do don't do not. Sing okay, and play. <laughs> you're good at instigating. I'm good at instigating, getting people to say yes to singing and playing. Um, so I booked this gig, and then I went to um, Glastonbury with some friends, and we had backstage passes. That was a kind of another aside, and I'd made these little I love Trek stock badges because I was going to give these out at this gig. Um, this fundraising gig. And when I went to Glastonbury, I bumped into all these, well, I didn't bump into, I went and accosted <laughs> all these stores. Oh, how funny I've met you here. <laughs> how funny. Um, like Beth Ditto and the gossip when it was like, they don't just, you know, it just they means just nothing launched. to me, but I'll 
Mark, yeah. Mark Ronson um, and... Legend, lives in Labra Grove. Yes. So lots of people. And I asked them to hold these badges and I took pictures. And it was literally just a, will you take a picture with this badge? It's to support young people with cancer. Thank you very much. Um, and then when I went back to play the, uh, organise the gig, we ended up getting um, Peaches Geldof. She DJ'd, uh, she agreed to DJ and the Claxons agreed to play. And, and, and basically lots more people wanted to come to this little acoustic gig. So I moved it to a place called Industry in Shoreditch and it was a few hundred people. And it was this amazing night called Trekstock. And they all played and there were loads of incredible people there. And then that was it really. I went and climbed the mountain and came back. And did you actually climb Everest? No. I clarify. I I was trying to the top these days. Anyway, yeah, like Snowden. <laughs> yeah, like much Snowden. like Snowden. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I've done the Snowden train. Yeah. I haven't done that one yet. You should do it as a train. Yeah. Uh, I walked to a trek to advanced base camp, and I was the illest I've ever been really? in my life. Do you altitude. get altitude sickness? I got altitude sickness. I had um, gastroenteritis oh. at one of the camps. The altitude sickness was just the most horrendous thing and they Sex were going to yeah they were going to put me they said we can put you in a bag and carry you back down and I thought this must be that another way tempting. out <laughs> yeah there must be another way out of this Somebody most men start asking for Viagra at that point you realise that's a uh, one really? it, it, it treats it opens it. your your yeah, my dad got offered it by his doctor and was terribly pleased when he was going <laughs> up into the mountains <laughs> oh my mum's never had a better time no, <laughs> but sure. my, one of my friends went to Machu Picchu and started bleeding from his nose and his ears oh my and God. everything. Like, it affects everybody differently. Yeah, I had nosebleeds and the mm. headaches. You would sit up in bed in the morning, Ooh. say bed in your little, and, and just hold your head because your head was... What it what kind of... Well, I did realise when I get back that hangover was never, ever the same again <laughs> because I'd had these altitude headaches. But we, we did the mountain and um, we were actually raising money for Teenage Cancer Trust and did this incredible trek, raised lots of money. Um, and came back and did the gig and people said, when's the next Trek stock? Mm. And there wasn't supposed to be one because I had a job and it was a fundraiser. And so I signed up for another mountain trek and kind of that's when Trek stock started. You- so wind the clock right back to little 20-something Sophie. First proper job. I was a product uh, developer, product developer, product development assistant for a supplier for Marks and Spencers. And what, what did you actually do? <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way, actually. What did I actually do? I worked on children's and ladies' soft accessories. Ooh. So we what are would soft accessories? Padded bras. Scarves no. and hats. Hats and, and scarves and hangers. Straight there, didn't you? I just couldn't think of it. What else is soft? hats and scarves and and hankies I designed a whole hanky collection that they bought handkerchiefs highly underrated yeah in nice little boxes with flowers on oh little girl handkerchiefs no they were for women old lady handkerchiefs this is M&S they they used to repeat yeah all the chenille which was like that sort of Mm. velvety strange thing in like yeah, funny colours. Feels like the tummy Is of a cat. still still selling a lot of that? I feel they've lost their way. I think they've way. moved on. No, I think they moved on. They after moved on. After, yeah. Well, you still need little handkerchiefs for people, don't you? But you I were mean, design, I think if you, you, were, were, you, were, you were software designer, didn't you yeah, say? Yeah, when I was at uni in my placement year, I worked as a product... What did I work as a product developer? Product developer. Product developer. In soft. In, well, actually for Disney. So I would be drawing the... It was the kids' pyjamas with the, with the poo and... 
Piglet and Tigger and things on. Um, and so I went to this company who were a supplier and I helped design and choose the fabrics okay. and did all the swatches. That and sounds like really good fun. What were you great. doing at university that you ended up doing this? It's a much better first job than most uh, people. I, no abattoir. I started doing, I signed up for web, web and computer design. Yeah, because we're not talking about it. software. You were doing hand illustrations. Yeah, so I, but I switched to international fashion marketing. Nice. Um, because the maths was too hard in the computer web design degree. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really, really hard. Uh, so I did international fashion marketing. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And then this started. Yeah, so when I was at this company, I signed up for the Trek. And I remember they gave me as my going away present to Everest a space blanket. And I was useful. Yeah, well, I was very, very ill. And I won't go into what happened with the space blanket, but I had an unfortunate. <laughs> you sewed up the edges. I just, yeah, just had to throw yeah, it away, yeah, basically. Yeah, but okay. it was, that was my leaving present. Well, they helped you out. Sounds like in quite a major way. Yeah, you know? they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's where I worked. And what do you think, throughout all of this, what was your biggest cock-up, do you think? Uh, ordering about 8,000 of the wrong hangers from China for some um, ponchos that I... How can you have them What, for m &S? Yeah, for no, m well, I remember having to go to the fact, uh, warehouse out in uh, Sandy, which is somewhere in North Bedfordshire. London, Bedfordshire, yep. and swapping hangers. That was my kind of... One of my mistakes. Okay. Um, you got a call from head office, did you? They didn't. They hadn't got there yet. I think I had to intercept them. And you then had to I change had to, eight thousand hangers. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah. How long does that take? A long quite time. Quite a long time. Quite a few days in the yeah. <laughs> in the <Inside>. warehouse. <laughs> um, Who's that? Oh, don't worry about her. Oh, don't She's worry. She's like, <laughs> there for a few weeks. <laughs> and what about track stock? Have you ever like screwed something up and oh. thought I won't do that again or learnt something from it? I don't think you can say that about a charity, no, isn't it? I think. You, you, you always got to be better. The trouble with charities, you can't be honest like a business. You can't say, well, we fucked it all up, blew all the money, shouldn't have bought the giant badger, and it's never going to take off. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I knew Susan was going to get too drunk and lose the, lose the account money. details and lose that. Give, you know, Roger Lose all the collection money. buckets lose on the Lose the collection tube. buckets on the fucking tube. You can't say that in a charity. You say, oh, it went very well. That it went very, very well. Very, very well. Very well. Oh, think... and, uh, do you know uh, Mark Ronson was there? Oh, what's he doing? You have to appear wider and whiter than a charity, but it must be reality. You know, it's yeah. still a business. It's yeah. just that you're raising money for other people. Yeah, you should be allowed to do things wrong. Do you feel like you can ever admit to doing anything yes. wrong? Yeah, you can. Yes, but I think that my biggest kind of, I think I've worried too much. Yeah, I think you worried too much. I've worried far too much. And I've worried about, I don't know. You started know. a charity, so you started from a position of worry or care. Worry. You know? Yeah, but worrying about what people, well, worry about situations and I remember going to a law firm um in um wherever it was a friend of mine worked there and he said come and chat to them and they had printed out a website and they'd circled some grammar mistakes and they'd said that I should have worn a suit to come in and you know things what? along the way and I should have had what? my hair in a this is for a ponytail sort of I don't pitch, know what kind of hair but I think yeah worrying when we started the charity we launched at Downing Street and I Panicked and panicked and panicked and like crippled with fear about this. Who was the speech. prime minister at the time? Gordon Brown. Oh, nice. Oh, Brownie. Yeah. I love Gordon Brown. And he, and he, Mark Ronson Just went next. Just the jaw. Jesus, the jaw. Mark Ronson went next door at the at the launch and played bingo. There was a bingo going on that he Gordon Brown was at and 
Anyway, okay. but, um, I was really, really, really scared. And I did some like speech and not speech and drama, but I did some sort of like co- elocution, coaching, <laughs> well, coaching confidence. Yeah. Not, what do you call it anyway? Learning my speech. Elocution lessons. Yes. But it's always and when you're really scared about speeches, you yeah. know, that it doesn't did go so well. Did you used to speak? Did you speak very well? Did you used to be like, what the hell is From, from the Everdale. No, but on the night, I had, so I had my speech. And then um, Rich, who's now my husband, was stood there and he said, but what you did is you just got your speech and you turned around and you put it on the mantelpiece and we were all like, whoa, whoa, what's she doing, what's she doing? And I just spoke. You'd and, learnt it. And I, I remembered that I've just worried so many th- about so many things all the time. And, th- and then the event happens or, you know, the meeting happens or and you advice think you can do it. Adrenaline kicks no, in no, and then you're turn into excitement. A very good piece of advice, advice from my musician friend Christopher Reese when I was worrying about some event, something I had to wrap out or something. And he said, oh, he said the event? That's easy. In fact, it's better than easy. It's wicked. It's just, you just got to practice. If you practice, 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 then you get up there and the adrenaline will take over and you'll do your best performance, you know, almost every time. Malcolm Gladwell comes up in every single podcast. That's a Malcolm Gladwell thing. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know the whole 10,000 hours Yeah, thing. the 10,000 hours. Yeah. So what do you find most uncomfortable about, about this podcast. About this, about this podcast. <laughs> about, uh, I think the highs and lows of being in the charity sector where you think you're going to win some money or raise some money and then it doesn't happen or then, you know, you've put in this fantastic application and or you're working with a partner and they say we're going to raise you £100,000 but then actually it's £10,000 and it's a mm. constant kind of, it's just that constant up and down which I guess is probably you know the what case it sounds like. Businesses. It sounds like being a musician <laughs> again. It's like if you, I mean, musicians who do well, but even the well-known ones, uh, most of them live gig to gig, hand to mouth. They get ten grand here, they get five grand here. They suddenly get a fifty grand show, but then there's this problem, and you know that sounds. And that that the, the difficulty for you is that, like, I like the merch businesses. I can imagine that would drive me insane. It's sort of a random way for you to earn money as a business, well, as a as an organization. You know what I mean? You and me, if we need to earn money. Just work harder, you know, just to do more of it, you know. Yeah, and, and we're and counting on people, corporate partners or mm. individuals or trusts I mean, if I ask most of my clients, early stage clients, what the hardest thing is, they all hate asking people for money. Right. But I guess that's your entire job, yeah, yeah. really. And it's not, you're, you're not asking for money for you, it's no. for the charity. No, it's, it's and you've got to kind of keep believing, well, the work is great, what we're doing is great, it has impact, therefore I can be bold. Okay, what is most misunderstood about running a charity? When people say, so do you do this full time? And, and look at you like you're crazy. People I know really well and, and say, and do you get paid? And I remember when the charity... Does that make you angry or is it... <laughs> no. no, just because charity, I remember my dad lives in Bali and I went to see him years and years, and years ago when Trexot was small and I was watching, somebody recommended that Dan Palotta, the way we think about charities is dead wrong, the TED talk. Mm. And it was like I had this massive epiphany and he was talking about the fact that you need to invest to to uh, deliver better services and, you know, better fundraising that will then in turn raise the charity money to grow the business and... You do, and it has to run like a business. And the best charities out there do run like a big, you know, like a smart business. I don't know if it's the trustee angle, but uh, the, 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 unfortunately, the um, 
probably what gives charities a bit of a bad rap is is something is quite often in a lot of the larger inefficient in the decision making. You know, having experienced charities, and I mean, I mean that with blessed love, but you know, they, it's it's. I think it maybe it's a bit like a partnership, like we are. You've sort of got a trustee, you've got well, to you, refer you know, to. But it's a this... bit like you, there's two levels because you've got your trustees, but then you've still got the equivalent. You might not directors. call them exec directors, but that's what they are who need to be making the day to day decisions about how the the what is essentially a business is run. It's a bit like this fear over spending money. Everyone's really worried about wasting money. But as a result, they waste lots of money worrying about wasting money because there's a faffiness to it. Because in business, you just want to fucking get... Almost what you're saying, you've got to get on with it. You've got to build this thing. You've got to invest. You've got to raise some fucking money. You've got to go for it. It's not like we're all sitting around knitting, you know, making money. The donations come in little envelopes with Dear Sammy written on it. You know, it's... it's You've got to make a message. You're trying to do something here, and it's, you know? It's like people have done lots of things for free for us over the years, which is incredible. But then there comes a point where you think, actually, we just need to pay a graphic designer to help us design something so that we can raise some money and we because we've been working with someone for free and it's taken you know they're busy and, and the thing is if somebody's doing it for free it's going to go to the bottom of the pile however they'll be enthusiastic to, to start with but when that third set of revision yeah. comes in with the extra 5% bigger yeah. from thingamabob they'll be like fuck yeah. this you know it's bigger than the t-shirt anyway talking about treating it as a business what's it like you know once you go from a tiny charity that's just you to you and five, six other people that are your employees because they are employees of your business. They are. How did you find that sort yeah, of angle? They are. And it, and suddenly all the focus on the thing that you're good at doing becomes the, the time that you can spend becomes less because then you're, manage, you're a because manager. Because you're a manager. Yeah. And managing people. One and plus making, one equals one point yeah. one, you know. And that's hard. But we've just brought on board Ian, who's our new exec director, and we've uh, which is fantastic because I was wearing all hats and I really could well, I just couldn't spend the time on fundraising and developing relationships and partnerships. And so he's come on board and it's it's really, really brilliant because it's gonna Yeah, pick up Ian. And it's gonna give me and him that space to just develop and expand and um, sounds like you put him in load. a good place. You, sounds like you put him in a good place because you've done one of the difficult things for the charity is achieve relevance by your, you know, your association. Frankly, not with a bunch of Instagrammers, but with like you know proper like legends of the music scene. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of them are anyway very focused on doing something useful. So, and what's the hardest thing in your job? Um, wearing all hats and dealing with the ideas. I think something that's um, really hard is when people say you've just got to get on TikTok and you've just got to do this and you've just got to do this because the ideas are often the easiest thing people have great ideas and we've got great ideas and we, we could sit around and brainstorm some fantastic ideas but when you've got a really small team and you've got kind of defined roles it's really hard to implement or execute some of these things well, or even do them at all. Yeah. And I find that really hard because we'll have, you know, people on our, not necessarily our board, or our development board, or people around us who will say, this is a fantastic idea, and it's just so hard that we can't, we can't do everything. such a frustration. No, it's such a fr And I, I love to come up with ideas, and I know I piss all my partners off. Because a lot of people are operationally minded, so maybe you are. So you're throwing an idea at them, and you just want to get excited about the idea, and all they can see is all the problems. All with the it. problems. And I and, and I'm like, from how my mind works is, no, let's debate the dream. If the dreams were, if it's like, if it's cool and it can do something, the, 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 we'll work out the details. But the truth yeah. is, 
you'll work out the details because I am on to my next fucking idea. You kind of need both people because I'm terrible at coming up with ideas. I can't think of anything original. No, I don't think that's true at all. But, you know, I will quite happily work out how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the practical bit of it I find really interesting. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. So what are you most excited about then? Uh, I am excited about, I'm excited about the charity growing across the UK this year because we've had a real um, I'm trying to think of the most appropriate word. A really crap time. It's been COVID. hard. It's yeah. been really hard. It's been really hard. When it's I been went... terrible for charities, particularly, yeah, hasn't it? it? Has. Everyone's and... like, "Fuck them." You well, you know? can't. Yeah. What fundraising events can you possibly do? Oh, of course. Yeah. When I went on um, mat leave, well, I didn't really have mat leave because the COVID started, and I we were writing emergency funding bids, and we were the government actually there was some really good support, so that we had a, there was a lot of funding available for charities right at the start of lockdown. Um, and we were quite successful and we had some funding and we were able to continue because at that point it was, well, are we even going to be here? Um, our beneficiaries were shielding, so it was, you know, the support was needed even more than ever. And then we got through it. Well, I say it got through, it, we're getting through it. Um, and all of those funding pots dried up because then it was the kind of... Um, well, funding was diverted elsewhere. And then obviously with what's happening in Ukraine fundraising priorities change for people and all our events were cancelled so we're coming to the end of our financial year which is may and we're just having our first in-person event which is this trek the city which should be amazing we're going to have yeah i can't oh, believe i'm in athens i'm really yeah. gutted actually so if you could change one thing in the world this can be absolutely anything what would you change i think social media is really, really dangerous for yeah. young people. And it's all right. Elon's going to come along and know, sort the whole shit out. Well, at least he's going to get Twitter on the straight and narrow. Hopefully. Fuck off. Do you think he's going to do it? Just ruin it. Isn't he doing it because people get, keep getting banned? Do you think people should yeah, get banned? Yeah, because he's going to put Trump back he's on He's going to put Trump back on, isn't he? But I was Miserable. thinking about, it's not, you know, people talk about the perception of like what's perfect for people to look at on Instagram, but now it's not even perfect. It's what's normal, like what the per- yeah. per- perception of normal is. And I just think... Wasn't it? Didn't used to I be like that. Trump can't come back on. Not when he's president. I don't think presidents should be on there. I think it's just a bit odd. But maybe they <laughs> should speech, be. Free speech, man. But I, you know, I saw a picture of somebody the other day, and I said to one of my assistants, "Oh my god, I've never seen skin like that. That's amazing." And my sister went, <laughs> "Have a, you never heard of a filter?" <laughs> yeah. And I like, but it's like completely mm. to somebody. Yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. In their late forties, it's completely like. Yeah. 
I don't understand it at all, this whole thing. And people show comparison videos where they show that they've been through a filter and like their waist is slimmer and their face is different, but you wouldn't even know. Like you can't tell. It's just, but I just think for young people, it's, I've got a friend who's got a 13 year old and um, she was just saying about how how mean some of the people are. They've all got little Instagrams and they've all got, and I just thought it didn't used to be like that. And it's just Well, when I think about how mean girls were at school, and they only could only be mean through the medium of actually speaking to you. Imagine if you at arm's length from people on the other end of a computer screen, you're going to be absolutely vile as a teenage girl. It it, it must be horrendous, and that is that's the the psychological issue is the fact that you, uh, if you're the best footballer in your friends, you're the best footballer in the world when you're young, basically. Other than the bloke on the telly who's Gary Lineker, so it's like yeah. But now it's like no, you're like the best footballer. You're not even. The, you're not the best of anything, and so everything is compared to such a higher standard, which brings these feelings that we're failing and less. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally we all feel. Even our generation feel terribly sort of inadequate and kind of like, oh, you know, aren't we? But I think theirs must be insane. Like because we're not. We are certainly at my age. You didn't really go through the vanity thing, like the whole. Being comfortable taking a picture. I watch my son learn now and I can't work out if it's a good thing or not that he's so comfortable with his image already. And then you get into posing. I think that's maybe just an issue for us because we were like, it's it's okay, isn't it? I don't know. You know, it feels wrong for me, doesn't it? This this obsession with taking like the, yeah, the, taking the, photos. The, there's so many Instagram accounts which are only pictures of themselves, which yeah, are just so fucking it. weird. Yeah. My so my boring. nieces have just got me on this thing called Be Real. Have you come across this? Where once a day, at a random time of the day, it tells you it's time to be real. And you take, you have to take a picture of whatever you're doing. And it, so you take a picture of what you're looking so at. So in the like middle I, of a meeting. Yeah. Like I take better. a picture like, of you Sorry, two. stop the meeting. Well, I'm, I was just looking to see if it had happened yet because it hasn't happened today yet. But you take a picture of whatever you're doing. And at the same time, your camera takes a picture of you. Uh-huh. And so you post it. So like. Like um, a selfie. I quite like Here the, are the ones from yesterday. So that's my eldest niece and her. She was taking some pictures of flowers. Somebody was with a horse. Hey, I like this. My ah. second niece, Dan, was Real with a friend. Stuff. And as usual, I was in my <laughs> office. And like every fucking day, my B-reel is my office. You have to run quickly outside. It's really depressing. You've got to get creative how you do that then. You've I keep got, running you... next door and taking pictures of, of other people because I would like people to think that I actually do mix with other people occasionally. Yeah, you should just get out, a, uh, get a collection of really big and very intelligent books and then just keep taking pictures of yourself, well, reading just, it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. yeah, good plan. Um, but, you know, people take, so you people think get document rid of it. their lives. Is that what we're saying? Social uh, media for young kids. What, what are we talking young here? Mm, Ooh, you know. I don't know. I just, when I was in lockdown, because I didn't see, we didn't see anyone, we had this little baby, didn't see anyone. I used it loads and loads and loads and it was because it was the kind of only outlet and you were, we were sharing, you know, live. And then afterwards, I just thought, ah, I'm getting this feeling. You get that feeling oh, when you're awesome. on social media. I get it quicker with TikTok. I spend, I've yeah. only done it, I sit there for 20 minutes on TikTok or, and, and then I just feel like this, this like horrible emptiness. Like, ah, stop it. What is this? But I did think last night, what will I do if Elon Musk fucks Twitter? 
<laughs> what would I do with my life? Because it's like, he so all the time. I spend it. Twitter all my time on what, Twitter. What, 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 what's he going to? What do you think he's going to do that will fuck up Twitter? Make Apart, it. Trump can come I mean, back on if he's not to, president. Make it really poisonous. I think. Isn't it already like it's good? It's, no, because what's Twitter. What's the, the background is people Twitter are getting taken off. Twitter polices it at least a bit, so that you know, if you are a troll, you get banned from Twitter and you can't be horrible mm-hmm. to people. I think he's going to authenticate it, isn't he? And um, I think he might make us pay for it. Oh. We'll have to go and be real. So you don't it's like just going to be a case the starting of, position. You think he's a bad well, man? I just dude. think he's a bit of a tit. But I, you know, I this think is based on um, based on all the his times media. I spent with him over long. No, based on all his media appearances and the right. ridiculous stuff, like the fact that you know some person slightly took the shit out of him on Twitter, and he claimed he was a paedophile. Yeah, that wasn't a great. You know, moment. there's like he's got a very, 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 very thin skin. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. When people have spats, the problem and is... And he's got one of, of those names where he should be he should be a superhero Smelly. villain, right. right? Yeah. You know, he should be in a superhero movie. Okay, best piece of advice you've ever been given. Okay, so the best piece of advice I was given was from Deb Khan, who is a family friend who does something really creative and great, and I never know how to explain what she does. She goes into businesses and makes people great. But she uh, said to me many years ago... Write a list of 10 people who inspire you. It could have been five or 10 or, um, and just ask them to have a cup of tea and see where it goes basically. And because I was talking about how to start connecting with people and how I could get people involved in the charity and, and I did. And I think it was like Jane Shepherdson from Whistles and Andy Puddicombe mm-hmm. from Headspace and, the, and we worked with the guys at Innocent who were really, really, yeah. really lovely and it was just one of those things where it was a really kind of innocent, would you have a cup of tea and can I tell you about what I'm doing? They would and all people, have done that. I and people imagine. just said, yeah, sure. Uh, you got any recommendations for us? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be three either. Well, what do I listen to? When I'm walking, I listen to the Adam Buxton podcast. Oh, he's oh yeah, Because I love it because it just Rambling makes me... Chat. Rambling chat. Yeah. Rambling. Yeah, do a little Great dance. little ditties. Yeah. He's a genius. And it's just what, like, One of my friends used to stalk Adam Buxton, but anyway... Uh, I've been listening to that. I listen to Desert Island Discs. Oh, classic. Nice. Who's your favourite you've heard on it? I really like Joe Fairley, who is the... Oh, I know Joe Fairley, the wife of Green Craig Sands. Green and Blacks. She's yes. the clients. She ah. used to help with some skincare stuff. She does all the skincare ah, really? and everything. Yeah. And runs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I thought hers was really yeah. inspiring and I thought I really want to meet her. And, um, yeah. Oh, big up, and big up, Joe. Big up, Joe, and Joe Malone. Thought hers was incredible, yeah. and um, Deborah Meaden as well. Yeah, yeah she really was good. good. She's yeah. good on Twitter, though. I like her. Yes, a lot. Oh, and you like um, the women, eh? Is that is yeah. that the way we roll now? That is, is the way we roll. Power, but women power all the way. And then something on Audible, which is not a podcast, because I have I've been listening to the um, How to Fail in this Diary of a CEO, the Stephen Bartlett one, but oh, yeah. just for a bit of headspace because it's just the most ridiculous thing, is Miriam Margulies Oh, it's fabulous. This Much Is True. Yeah. And it's just so funny. And it's just She's just mad. incredibly yeah. dirty. Yeah, yeah. Basically. The stories about what happened up a tree in Hampstead Heath yeah. and all sorts of things. It's just, yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our favourite part of the show, <laughs> Sophie, the business versus bullshit. Quick far round. D, cue the music. Thank you. This is where we reel off a list of key terms and all you have to do is tell us whether you think they are business or bullshit. Are you clear, Sophie? Yes. Are you ready, Sophie? Yeah. I'm a Virgo and I can't make decisions, so I'll try my <laughs> you've hardest. Got, you've got two choices. Uh, diversity quotas. Business. Oh, folks. Uh, 
Yeah, no, stick with business. <laughs> uh, 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 so stand up meetings. I think meetings standing up. Business. Yeah. Caffeine. Yeah. Bullshit. For me. Is that all for caffeine? Everyone else. Business for everyone business else. Business for all. Business for most. Business for most. Okay. Uh, agendas. Meeting agendas. Oh, bullshit. Yes. <laughs> Hour long meetings. Bullshit. Well, most of our trustee <laughs> meetings are in hour long. Oh, except those. <laughs> are they? Yeah, well, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with an hour long no, meeting, an hour but long maybe meeting. we should mix it up a bit. Maybe we should try 40 minutes. You I know, think yeah. a 45 minute, a half an hour, because so, sometimes you just put it in and you say it's, it has to be an hour, Yeah, but it doesn't have yeah. to be an hour. Should I tell you the trick, though? My secretary worked this out. To start at quarter past, because everyone joins at quarter past, everyone's going to fuck off on the hour. So the meeting, if you start, otherwise you start in the hour, everyone does an hour. So it's like, oh, well, you've got a 12 minute meeting, do you? You know, it's like, it doesn't, you know. Anyway, okay, a big up Serge, who's currently hanging out, the Labradoodle, sleep on the floor, unconvinced with this podcast. Uh, what do you think about office dogs? Business. <laughs> I like it when when the office dogs get dissed. Your trustee, your trustee has been mighty <laughs> negative about the power of a canine. It's only to wind you world. up, to uh, be it, fair. Uh, okay. Pippa loves Serge. Um, I do. Carbon credits. Business. Biz shit. <laughs> you can have biz shit <laughs> if you want. <laughs> biz. A biz. A buzz. A swearing in meetings. Oh, mm. business. Well done, Londoner. You got That's through good. that. That's, That's correct. Good. Yep. We are not in Japan. Yeah. Uh, pub lunches. Business. Yeah, that's yeah, it doesn't happen so much anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. We don't. Do you have never them. find? We had some comments recently that some people find them a bit sort of, you know, oppressive and old school, sort of, you know, men slapping each other on the back, drinking too much beer. To be honest, we don't really have any pub lunches. Pub pub lunches. We have lunches. Oh, outside, yeah. outside on the picnic tables, or the Mayfair Hotel with Mark Ronson, Marky baby, um, B Corps. You want a B business? Corp. NDAs. Oh, well, business. Oh, the yes. but, but yeah. If there's strictly, if NDAs. anything is going to be biz shit, it's probably an probably, NDA. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have you signed any recently? Not recently. No, not recently. I got asked recently to sign one by a client. I just, I, yeah, no problem. No, I sent an email back saying, I'm your lawyer. You either trust me or you don't. If you really make me sign an NDA, then I don't want to trap you. Really? Did you go that way? I just yeah. like... And he came back and said, oh, don't worry. Oh. Unlimited holidays. Ah, so I think this is business. Hmm. And I've read... Sorry, this is... Echo expand on the answer I read Richard Branson's blog on this recently really? yeah and I thought it was business which what did he, what he you know what did he say he said that because people can kind of make up their own mind as to how much holiday they think is appropriate and actually people don't take the piss and I think actually the think is, it's, quite, it's more likely to mean they don't that carry people over. don't have enough holiday they don't have enough because as in were, I know people that like at my last firm there were people that literally were kind of trying to carry over 15 days because they just hadn't been on holiday. And, you know, you would say to them, well, you've got to have a holiday. And if it was unlimited, they just wouldn't do it. 
And I think it makes you worse at your job if you don't go away. It's really interesting handing the problem back to the staff member. It, 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 assu it assumes that, you know, I think it's because we're all in a rhythm of acting the way we are. I wondered if I wonder if you came out of university and just gave it to people, they'd be like, oh, I'm going to take yeah. three months off, you know? Because some people, but they negotiate when they take a job and say, oh, but there's 20 days holiday here and there's 25 days holiday here and there's... I just... Mm. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think I'm into it. I think I'm into it, but it's one of these things that, yeah, it'll take a while to persuade people to make the yeah. jump because if you go there, can you come back? The problem with any management point of view is anything you sort of give out, it can, if you get, if you didn't mention it, maybe no one's even thinking about it. It's like Brexit. When you mention it, it becomes everything. And then when you try and take it back, everyone's really but it, angry. It, it, it you know? probably is an employment law thing that you couldn't take it back once you'd given it to people. No, you probably could. Well, you, only if you introduced it temporarily as a trial. You yeah. would do a one-year trial. I would trial. speak to you before I yeah. introduced it formally. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn business. Formal work clothes. Bullshit. Excellent. That's the Thank end you. of the quick VAR round. You scored 3,200. <clears throat> okay, so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch your company, podcast, book, whatever you want to pitch. Off you go. So I would like to tell you about Merch for Good which is Trekstock's merchandise arm. Uh, we work with international artists and musicians who design T-shirts for us, and uh, we sell them globally. They're very sustainable. And we are doing this to raise money for Trekstock to support young adults with cancer. By and working. where will people find it? They will find it at merchforgood.net. And... That's it. Get, That's it. Get, get it while it's hot. That was know. good. That was less than 30 seconds I wrote. Fantastic. And can we, can you get, um, your, can you sort of do requests as to what goes on the t-shirts, do you think? You know, you can send a list of, uh, no, we always want to hear recommendations of bands that people want to, um, you I know, think want us to name, work with. You know, every time someone gets cancer, write their name, like have a, make a t-shirt like Tony's. Tony, Tony, whoever that person is, gets to come up with like a slogan that goes on like a load of t-shirts. That would be good. You know, something. Uh, I'm not and sure Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Well, you know. I'd quite like the Violent Femmes. Have you got those on a t-shirt? No, but I will work on it. Great stuff. Okay, so Sophie, if our listeners want to find out more about you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, at trekstock.com. Brilliant. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Sophie for joining us. Thank you to uh, Pippa, my co-host. Big thank you to Dee, our producer, patiently listening to this bollocks. And a big thank you to you, dear listener. We'll be back with another episode next week. And you've got much better things to do, so don't worry about this. If you've got a moment, do rate and review us. But otherwise, get on with your lives. Thank you. Goodbye. It's ciao. Ciao.